Hey everybody, welcome to Hey Sawbones, my story, my passion. Today's guest is an amazing, uh, unbelievable inter uh, individual. His name is Bill Spiros. He's an attorney at the McDonald Illig Law Firm here in Erie, Pennsylvania. He uh, was in the U.S. Air Force for over a decade. Unbelievable attorney, unbelievable professional locally in Erie, um, unbelievable person. Uh, love him, love his wife Amanda, his children. They're literally like family. Probably one of my favorite people to hang out with, go out to have dinner, drinks with. So stick around. Uh, you aren't going to want to miss this episode. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Um, there's a lot of banter that goes on between the two of us. And at the very end, as always, we have the Sawbones Challenge. You don't want to miss out on that. So stick around to the very end and get ready. This is going to be a fun one. Hi there, welcome to Hey Sawbones, my story and my passion. I'm Dr. Ryan Molly, orthopedic surgeon, cutter of bones, entrepreneur, uh, business owner, uh, but most importantly, loving husband and father of three young boys. Uh, this is really just the, the bare bones version of kind of my background, my story, again, my passion of orthopedic surgery, uh, building multiple businesses. And what I've really tried to do is just be as genuine, as authentic as possible during this entire process. And really each episode is gonna focus on special guests that have been influential to me throughout my life, uh, kind of people I've met along the way. Um, it's gonna bounce from you know childhood to maybe my high school days to college days, med school, current stuff. So it's not necessarily chronological, but um, I am super excited about this week's guest. Uh, this individual, uh, if you're from the Erie area, he needs no introduction, but uh, He's an amazing individual, both personally and professionally. He is an attorney at the McDonald Illig Law Firm here in Erie. Um, he started there several years back. I'm gonna let him tell a little bit more about himself, but um, he's also been an attorney in the Washington DC area for uh, well over a decade. He trained um, at the US Air Force Academy, uh, did his undergraduate uh, studies there where he had a degree in general engineering and was an active member of the US Air Force uh, for a decade. Uh, from 1993 to 2003. He subsequently went to the University of George Washington School of Law. He had academic honors uh, there. And uh, in 2006, he graduated and has been in uh, practicing, again, multiple um, 
venues for law. But um, without further ado, I'd love to introduce uh, Bill Spiro. So, Bill, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Two Bone. Two Two Bone? No. Oh, you want to be drumstick? You always want to be drumstick. What? I, I, I don't think I've ever had to. Okay, same way. I'll call you so, drumstick. But thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So I guess there's obviously no ground rules here. No, you no. You came out of gates with two bone. <laughs> but anyways, it's going to be fun. It's going to be relaxed. Um, you know, we don't have a script. No. Nope. We had a general outline of kind of the format that we're going to go through. I kind of went through that with Bill. Um, but, you know, first off, I guess just tell me. I know a lot of these answers, but I'm sure you're going to tell me stuff that I don't know. But really what I want is our audience to get to know you. Like, give me a brief background of where you grew up, you know, where you went to school, that kind of stuff, sure. all the way up to kind of current day. Yeah, so I grew up here in Erie, PA. Um, went to Cathedral Prep for high school and graduated in Sorry to hear that, but 1989. No, I get that a lot. Um, uh, and then I went to the Air Force Academy for college, as you mentioned, um, four years out there. Then went to pilot training, uh, flew C-5 Galaxies for about, uh, well, I started off in C-21 Learjet, did that for a little over three and a half years. Um, wanted to go to law school at the time. I wanted to go through a program with the JAG Corps called the Funded Legal Education Program, that called it. But that was right after the first Gulf War. They'd already spent a lot of money uh, making me a pilot. They didn't want to spend more making me do something else. So um, I went on to a follow-on assignment flying C-5 Galaxies. Uh, my first assignment was at Andrews Air Force Base in Maryland, flying Learjets, then went to fly C-5s out of Dover, Delaware. Um, that was a great assignment. Um, what are C-5s? Just to okay, so, well, yeah, let's go back. C-21 is a Learjet. It's literally a business jet that the Air Force takes a, a, a Lear 35 and um, reconfigures it so that it can be used for VIP transport okay. and for aeromedical evacuation. So these are smaller jets? Smaller eight-passenger jet um, okay. that we used to do uh, dignitary transport out of Washington, D.C. So Pentagon officials, senators, congresspersons. Um, it really very adaptable airplane. I mean, I've, I've flown it overseas. It was really a fun. Um, but I went from that to the C-5 Galaxy, which is our nation's largest outsized cargo airlift. Humongous. It, it's large enough to carry, you know, three Abrams tanks in it, but um, was weight limited to two. It, this is how we carried SEAL boats and the president's helicopters, pre-positioned things. I mean, it's a very big... Like two off, opposite ends. Yeah, Totally. I mean, honestly, the, once you're up in the air, every airplane somewhat flies the same, not all, but, um, but when you're on the ground taxiing a C-5 around and you have a 222-foot wingspan, my biggest fear was never when I was up in the air. It was always I was going to drag that wingtip against something. So, so you couldn't take it down to State Street if you needed to do an emergency line? You could. You would just do a lot of damage. <laughs> so, uh, so then I went to C-5 Galaxies um, out of Dover Air Force Base, spent a lot of time overseas, especially after 9-11. Uh, in a lot of countries that end in stand. A lot of uh, downrange locations. We're not talking about the Golden Girls stand? <laughs> no. Okay. No, uh, mostly Kyrgyzstan, Afghanistan. But I also spent a lot of time in, in Baghdad and um, uh, other Middle East. Mostly we'd go to forward operating bases in like England and Germany and Spain and then operate out. Crap. Flying uh, cargo and bulk downrange. Were you kind of living over there, or would you? No, I was stationed in Dover. I would okay. be sent out on a three-week SRT. It's called a scheduled return time. The C-5 was 1960s, 1970s technology, so we never made it back in three weeks. We always broke somewhere, usually some austere location where we'd have to have parts flown in. So you, you had to be flexible on the dev. I mean, breaking while you're in the air, or? No, usually like you land and, I don't know. Engine falls off. 
24 tires on the thing. So something, okay. you know, like little, little things, um, never felt unsafe, but it was, uh, you know, it's what happens when you have all those moving parts given. To <laughs> so, uh, we, we, we break on occasion. So it, it, you had to be very flexible and I spent a lot of time away from home. Um, and that just solidified my want to go to law school. Um, you know, I, I'd had that plan earlier in my career. And then as I was end, uh, ending my commitment after pilot training, I basically got a phone call. I was in Baghdad. I got a phone call from a commanding officer at the time. And um, a stop loss had been instituted about 10 months prior, 10 to 12 months prior. And a stop loss basically means even if your commitment's up, certain service codes, pilots, navigators, special operations, you couldn't get out. Didn't didn't matter. You signed on the dotted line and there's a war going on and they need you. So uh, I was stop lost for about 12 months, and then my commander called me on a sat phone when I was in Baghdad and said, listen, they're going to lift stop loss. If you're serious about this law school thing, you need to come home and get out of the Air Force. Uh, we were there for like a decade, correct? I was in the Air Force for 10 years after I graduated, and which is halfway to retirement. Wow. So if I'd been even just a few months further along, I probably would have just stayed in. Yeah. But I took that as a sign that I was just at the halfway point, so flew my crew back to Kaiserslautern uh, Ramstein Air Base in Germany, left them there, came home out processed out of the Air Force and started law school at GW. So you had already taken the LSAT? The I was home for three week, or three days, excuse me, during the war. Flew home from Kuwait, and in that three days, I took the LSAT. I celebrated Amanda's birthday in prepared. It's a big, like, weekend. I mean, you obviously had to be preparing for the LSATs prior to that. It wasn't like... You... No, I had taken them, I had taken them five years earlier okay. when I was thinking about going through the FLEP, um, the, the funded legal education program. By law school, anybody who's taken the LSATs knows that your law school scores are only good for five years. So when five years had lapped, I had to take Gotcha. So I did a lot of studying up at altitude with the autopilot on, and I got breaks here and there. Um, I, maybe it was just a maturity thing, but actually did better on them. So then you, you went to George Washington. Ooh. You did your, uh, was that a four-year? Three years for law school. Okay. Um, stayed in D.C. to work at a law firm uh, after I graduated. Also taught. At... Uh, and then got to the point where we had four little kids, all born in Washington, D.C. Um, we were just ready to kind of slow things. So by moving back to my hometown here in Erie, we got halfway closer to Amanda's um, family in Ohio. Northwest Ohio. So decided to make the move and I've been here ever since. That was about eight years ago. And when you first moved back to Erie, you were not at McDonald Illig. You were, you were at a different firm and you were able to work remotely. I was actually in-house counsel with a payroll company, large Fortune 250. Uh, and when I took that job, when I left my law firm in DC and took that job, I negotiated. Okay. Because it was a remote job. Ballpark 2014, 15, is that 14. you moved to Pennsylvania? Um, okay. So you moved back to Pennsylvania. You've got a growing family. Um, you know, you, you worked at the, uh, was it ADP? I was at ADP for five years. Five years. So that brings you to 2019. And then you started at McDonald Illig. That fall, that November. And, um, when did you, like, what's the partnership track? So uh, they brought me on as a partner. Okay. So, um, cause I, I'd already this practice in DC for a yeah. number of years and then worked in-house as a senior counsel. So is it typical um, or? I think with the, at that point, if you have that much experience. Sure. Yeah. Typically. I mean, if you have a book of business and I was fortunate that I was working in the public contract world where I had a lot of contacts and had people bring some of their work with me to the firm. So, um, also fortunate that at that firm, uh, were a few friends that I had known either from my childhood here or had met since I had moved back 
Uh, so, I mean, I was in constant firm. In fact, the managing partner at that firm, who many people, uh, Jim Cullen, um, he was the father of one of my childhood friends, and he was like a father figure. And he had always joked as I was thinking about law school. I said, "Yeah, someday if you graduate law school, I'm going to I'm going to get you up to McDonald's." And, and ironically, he passed away just a couple of years before I finally did actually. Yeah. Well, you know, he's looking down. Yeah. He's probably happy and you know toasting you from and, and his above and his legacy there is palpable. I mean, a lot of things in that firm have. You've mentioned his name to me before. I know the Colin name. Uh, went to Mercer's. Uh, Dan Colin used to run. Oh, sure. What's yeah. over there? I think he still does, actually. But um, so, you know, what type of law do you practice? Like, Can't specialize too much in Erie. So when I was in D.C., I almost exclusively did federal government contract litigation. So bid protests or contract disputes were between the federal government and agencies that hired companies to do work, to provide services or goods to the government. Um, there are government contractors in Erie County, but not a lot of them. So you know, I had to be adaptable. I also do commercial business transactions. I still litigate mostly in federal court. Uh, I'm now the Erie County solicitor. Have been I mentioned that since about a year now. Uh, uh, beginning of, yes, right. Exactly right. So about 18 months almost. Um, that consumes a fair chunk of your time. If, yeah, let's say that. Big chunk. 40, 50%? It's a lot, yeah. It is. It's it's more than I, I, I mean, I love it. It's a challenging job and I like the work, but it is, um, it's time consuming, necessarily so, and good. But so now I've got government work in my practice. I mean, you've done a ton of work for me. Um, I kind of think That's of my- the other 50%. Yeah, I was going to say, so every time I call you or text you or email, are you like, okay, Ryan, what uh, LLC are you planning to open up today? I think you're like three away from the record, like in the world. So you gotta, maybe, yeah. we can open maybe up. How many do I have? Actually, I don't know. I, off the top of my head. Over 10? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's say more than 10, less than 20. Okay. So we're in that range. Yeah. Uh, so what's the record? What's Okay. So um, the next thing I want to ask you before we kind of get into what I call the beverage break, which I think you're- Oh, I think I like that part. You it's definitely like, like that part. You're going to like this particular- beverage that I've chosen. Oh, you picked the beverage. I love it. This is good. Yeah. All right. Good, good. So um, first kind of memory of me, um, we've told this story so many times, but let's maybe give the Cliff Notes version and um, you probably don't know how to do that. No, yeah, I was going to say, you know me, I've never, <laughs> never given a Cliff Notes so, version of anything. I guess give it a little bit of background I was, and, I and paint that picture. Yes. I have. While you're doing that, I'm going to start to get the beverage. Okay. Sounds good. Um, all right, so I met Dr. Ryan Molly because our wives set up literally a blind date. Um, a mutual friend had said, hey, there's a couple moving here from Michigan. She's Greek. Bill, you're Greek. You guys should get to know one another. So, um, well, you were all, you were spring-loaded to bring this out, weren't you? That's good. Uh, so because of our busy schedules and, and our kids, uh, it took us a little while. Um, they finally settled on a Friday night. I had just... I mentioned I was working for ADP. Well, my home office was in Atlanta, so I had just flown back in from a week, week and a half in Atlanta, um, and I didn't necessarily want to go out on a blind date. But Amanda said it took Karen and I forever. Once you get... saw a photo of me, though, you probably got very I was excited. And you... very, very um, uh, scared. And so... <laughs> She did get a photo. She actually. I know. Trust me, I know. She. So you can find her. We had a photo of you too. Yeah, I know. I'm sure that was a a good photo of me. A little plug there for Public House, John Melody. Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, we get there. We have a drink. You walk in, and you look about as thrilled as I felt to be there. Because I said, "Hey, can I? Nice to meet you. Can I get you a drink?" And you said, "Well, 
little background from me too. So I had a rough week. I was tired. Fridays, I usually am just wiped out. I come home. You know me. I go to bed early almost. This is like past my bedtime, by the way, um, on, on almost all school nights um, or work nights. But so I was tired. I was exhausted. I really didn't feel like, quite honestly, just meeting anybody new. I didn't want to put my game face on and, and do that whole charades thing. And I was just kind of like, I've got enough friends. I don't need any more new friends. I was just tired. So, but I was doing this for Karen. And um, so Bill asks me, we're at a nice local bar restaurant, says, would you like a drink? And I said, you know, I'm, you know, I'm pretty tired and pretty exhausted. I, I think I'll just, you know, do a coffee, which I was thrilled about. I'm like, oh, this guy's going to be just a bundle of laughs. <laughs> but then he said, oh, oh, make it an Irish coffee. Yeah. I which, think it didn't save it too much for, I mean, they didn't say it to me. I was like, that's, oh, that's like going back and saying, well, it, it wasn't a virgin deck. <laughs> so... I get my Irish coffee. Um, I had my respectable drink. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, probably Zima with some Jolly Ranchers in uh, it, yeah, something like little that. umbrella. Um, and I don't know the the time frame, but then you decided to maybe amp it up a little bit. You asked me if I had ever done a minder. No, 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 no. That, that that did happen. But after we sat down at the table and we're listening to the live band, hanging out a little bit, and you said, "Should we do a round of shots?" And I said, oh, I think I think I might like this guy. I might I might actually like him. We did a round of Fireball before. Oh, did we really? Yeah, just at the table. Amanda, Karen, and some other friends that were there did as well. And then we started talking different shots. And then I asked if we were done a mind eraser, which for those of you who don't know, it is a shot, but it's in a glass with ice. You do it with a straw. Never a good idea. And you drink it quick. You drink it quick. You suck it down from top to bottom through the straw. And it was amazing. It's like a purplish color. Kahlua was on the bottom, so yeah, it's dark. Yeah, but it was really good and... As soon as we finished it, first words out of your mouth is like, that was good. Should we do another one? <laughs> so, Terrible. Uh, long story. The short. annals of bad ideas, as it t- that was one of the worst. But. Yeah. We were respectable. I'll just say by the end of the night, we were singing and you were playing we, guitar with the band. With the band, yeah. At a bar. And our, and we, our wives tried to leave numerous times, uh, basically had to drag us out. Uh, but we came. Where's your scarf? I was kind of hoping you'd bring that. I would, but then I went. I didn't want you to feel left out. And I know you can't rock one like I can. So I, yeah, he had. Um, I I thought it was either an ascot when he first lost it. Just a regular scarf. It was December. Like Freddie from the Scooby Doo. And, and <laughs> hey, he had this. Don't you put down that. <laughs> so are we done? But anyways, um, we had a wonderful time. We really hit it off, and and our friendship really kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So, a lot of talking, and um, you know, now um, we're going to ship this. And we're going to do our beverage break. This is um, a favorite for both Bill and myself. This is an Italian wine. It is a Brunello de Montalcino, the 2017 Torello. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we've both had this before. Together. Torello. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to open this. Is there anything from that region? I know you love old school wines. You you always go Italian over something yeah, new. World world is my yeah. my flavor. This is kind of where my family's from because this is from the, the Tuscany region. Right. So, Bill, what I want to do now is we've kind of talked about the format a little bit. Um, let's shift it. So, there, uh, what we do is we're going to ask, you're, you're going to ask six questions. I did tell them about this. Fancy, eerie PA. I like it. I like it. Where are your glasses? Okay. <laughs> well, that. Oh, I see. I, I oh, may give it a little bit. Fill some water in these. So, anyway, uh, the local, but I'm going to have you ask me your questions. So, three personal questions, three work questions, whichever order you'd rather do that in. Um, 
Thank you. You know, we're going to swap that and then I'm not going to ask you three personal questions and three kind of work related questions. And then we've got a couple more things on the agenda and some really fun days. So uh, definitely want to stick around because you don't want to miss uh, the end of this podcast. I can assure you that. So cheers. Cheers. And maybe pour a little bit more of mine. But... Yes. You got a VFW pour. <laughs> I got the little boys pour. So fire away. Since we're firing questions and we talked about I'm going to go with the business route. Okay. We talked about how you've created a bunch of LLCs. You're very entrepreneurial, especially, I mean, a lot of some physicians are, not all are, but you're pretty entrepreneurial. So you've had to hire lots of people, yep. both on your medical practice side and elsewhere. Um, what is one question that you would ask any prospective employee to try to get? Oh, goodness. Um, I mean, there's always the generic questions like, your, what's your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And I really don't like to call them weaknesses. Delicious, by the way. Isn't it, though? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, I like to refer the, to them as uh, growth edges because I think weaknesses is just a real negative kind of connotation and people kind of clam up at that point. But just things that you know maybe you're not super strong at um, and that you really look to get better at. But Growth edges? I like gr growth edges. Places where you can grow. Yeah, that's good. So, God, I got a lot of growth edges. He, he, wow, that list is long, Bill. Um, we don't have enough time for that. That's <laughs> an addendum version yeah, of this okay. document. Episode like 32. Um, but anyways, oh gosh, that's a tough question. You know, he didn't give me any of these questions ahead of time too, so I'm kind of have to think on the spot. But um, I always try to keep it personal too, like hey, what do you like to do for fun, things mm -hmm. like that. But to, to me, the probably the biggest one, because I'm about culture. And when I formed Whole Health, it was like, we need to think alike. We need to be aligned with our culture. So it's kind of like, uh, what makes you tick and what made you particularly interested in whole health and, and why do you want to work here oh, yeah. in particular? Is it, you just want a job or were you particularly drawn to this particular orthopedic practice? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Good question. All right. Second question has to do with your social media presence. I mean, you, you're not a big Facebook guy. The, the practice is on Facebook and on LinkedIn, but you are really active on LinkedIn. Yes. Um, every day you have actual thematic um, uh, posts that you do each day. And a lot of those times, uh, whether it's Wellness Wednesday or Throwback Thursday and you talk about a previous surgery done, you get a lot of commentary from other doctors. So what is one tip or best practice <laughs> or comment that you've gotten from a doctor and it's really made you change what you do Oh, goodness. So uh, for those of you that are not familiar with LinkedIn, it is essentially a uh, Facebook for businesses. And um, I mean, you can do post personal stuff too, but it's really about like-minded individuals. So for me, my network is a bunch of orthopedic surgeons, orthopedic implant uh, device uh, employees, but there's other professionals like attorneys, things like that. So, you know, I throw up challenging cases that I've either performed or like I have one that's coming up this Monday. And so Medical Monday is going to be, hey, here's this case. How would you approach this? Um, and the one thing that I will say is kind of thrown me for a loop is this isn't just a United States thing. We This is a global network. And I have surgeons from several from Europe, Japan, um, Australia. And I will say, and you've been lots of places in the world, there's there's cultural differences as well as like language differences. And um, I, I feel like the United States surgeons are fairly warm and fuzzy towards one another yeah. where some of the other ones um either challenge you or they're, they're not 
too slow to maybe insult you mm -hmm. with, with like, well, that doesn't look too good. Or I wouldn't do that at all. Some aggressive. Yeah, yeah. But I don't even know if they know that they're doing that. Um, but quite honestly, I, I have my like core group of people, probably 10 to 15 surgeons. And I, I can't say that there's one in particular, but, um, you know, because I love to pick other people's brains because, I mean, you're only as smart as what you've been presented. So these challenging cases where maybe I've seen two or three of, I can uh, send out. And some of them I don't do on social media. I, I just do to a select group of seven or eight surgeons. Like a text string you have? Yeah. 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 Cool. And we have like an ortho text string that we we have. There's, Sounds riveting. I'm sure it's... It, uh, yeah. More riveting than an attorney uh, text string. I can tell you that. Fair. But, um, you know, again, I can't think of one particular thing in, you know, a specific case, but it's really just interesting to see different people's perspectives and how the same problem, 10 different people have 10 different issues. Oh, yeah. There's almost always a common denominator with a theme of like, hey, you want to do this for sure. You want to do this for sure. But how you get there and sometimes uh, the nuances of how you get there is different. And it's very regionally different, too, because in Europe, they cement a lot of hips whereas here in the united states that's really rare maybe yeah. five or ten percent of cases are similar. so kind of answers the question no it does yeah i'm always fascinated to see like how quickly they can just take a look at an x-ray that you there a description of a particular incision or or plan that you have and say that's great that but i would have done this a little bit like yeah. they, everyone has their own way i guess that's probably true of every sure they're talking about really important stuff like medicine if, and what i'm kind of posting on this is like really diving into the details too like particularly like the bikini style is there's not a lot of guys doing that but the guys that are doing it we've learned and a lot of it is trial and error what's a bikini it's so it's not something i'd want to see you in but um so it's a direct interior surgical approach where instead of doing a vertical incision which is kind of the classic or traditional incision we switch the orientation 90 degrees so it goes horizontally has a much more cosmetic um, pleasing result and it also reduces the chances of wound complications so and infection so you you've been doing the anterior approach you know, the, there's a smaller percentage of doctors doing it. 13 or 14. But this is even a subset of that. Yeah, yeah. This is maybe 5% of the direct anterior hip surgery. And about, what, 15 to 20% maybe? Yeah, probably. It's it's definitely becoming more popular. And I think that's, again, a regional thing. Yeah. You get into certain pockets, it may be 30, 40%, but globally, probably 15 Yeah, I've seen video of it. It's just interesting to watch, like, the muscles snap back into place where it's not the, you know, not tearing up somebody's gluteus. Um, that's the technical term for the by the way. It is. Um, yeah. Wow. Learn something new every day. Just offer help when I can. Okay. Um, this is all a professional and hybrid personal question. Okay. Um, you like working with your hands. I do. If you weren't a surgeon, what would you be doing uh, as a job or as a profession? And you can't say woodwork. Yeah, because um, number one, that would be a hobby. It wouldn't be a job because it's a pretty hard job i love building furniture things like that but i would definitely be an engineer um, oh, cool. or an architect probably more an architect i love to to not just build physically but like create like my office project which I, some of my questions are going to be regarding your wife with with that because she helped me out with that but it was an amazing um project that we did i mean this room that we're in here like this was kind of all my design and and it just I, it gets my creative choice uh juices flowing yeah. and um, just fulfills me yeah. artistically. I think with a lot of practice. <laughs> uh, okay. There, there we go. go. Heading into the part. Oh, right? boy. Now, and by the way, rules of engagement, any of these questions are six questions. You can veto 
one. You can just say, not going to answer that one. What if I only ask you five? You're going to ask me that. So you could ask me up to seven. I'm resisting the rules. <laughs> uh, I guess. All right. Um, in addition to your current superpowers, which include VFW pores and the like, um, you can now also teleport. And the, the rule of teleporting for you is you can do it as often as you like, but you can only teleport one place ever. Like you can do it every day of the week, but there's only one place on earth that you can go. So I'm basically like the very complicated way of asking you your favorite place that you like to go to. Second rule is you have to go alone. So you can't take your whole family with you. Where's one place that you would- That's a good you, rule because it changes it. It does, yeah. Um, how specific does it need to be? Can it be like a region or does it need- No, it has to be a place. Like you need almost a lat long place. You need that when you need to, you can- Rome. Yep. Rome. Okay. Rome, Italy. Any particular place in Rome? Um, uh, probably either the Colosseum or um, the Pantheon or- I mean, I, just, I love history yeah. and I love uh, Roman history. I love the architecture. Um, I, I just love the feel. I love the food there. I love the smells. I love the culture. Um, I could deal, I could, you know, minus the people trying to sell you those spinny things that go up in here. And you know what I'm saying? When you're trying to eat or walk through with your family, but yeah, easy roll. Okay. Uh, but that's a place that might, after teleporting there every day or numerous times a week for the rest of your life might get like the history part of it might get boring. I mean, is that a place you can also just go and relax and just people for sure. Good. That's a good choice. Yeah. I, I also like Rome. I don't know if it'd be my, I, I expected you to say me. That's, that's number two. Before you're in a drive, they'd still pick the teleport. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> there. Sometimes trust me, that 40 minute drive seems like it takes forever after a really long day. So. Okay. Question five. Yeah. Question five. five. Biggest pet peeve. Oh, gosh. I mean, um, get under your skin. Pe people being late and people breaking commitments. Yeah. Can I do two? That's kind of two things in the same. It's like, kind of, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I don't know if it's the biggest, but it's, I mean, for me, and um, you know my wife, love my wife dearly. Um, I guess, fortunately, my oldest sister, Allison, trained me, trained my father on the art of being late. Uh, consistently would do that, and it just got under my skin. I have a rule. If you're not 15 minutes early, you're 15 minutes late. So, yeah. No, I 100% agree with you. I don't know if it's the military part of me or just, but it's, well, it's like, disrespectful to like me. That 90% of life is just showing up, honestly. like it Just get be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there, and you'll have a lot of success in life. I've always said. Um, the other 10%, yeah, that's the extra hard work and grit and preparation and all that stuff, but just be where you're supposed to be. So I agree, agree. with you. Good pet peeve. All right, here's my last one. You ready? Yes. It's going to take a little while. You and I have been known to have some um, playful banter and differences. With oh, our no. Two professional. Veto. Veto. <laughs> um, which is funny because you love the NBA, and I've forgotten more about soccer than I'll ever know about the NBA, but I still like to argue with you. So um, here it is. I'm going to give you my all-time starting five. And you have to come up with on the spot your starting five that can match up against my starting five. So you have to take quick question. Yeah. So do you have to fill all the positions? You do. So you can't be like, I'm playing small ball. No, no, no. no. You have to have a center. I'm going to go with uh, 
two guard, just your regular one, two, three, four, five position. Okay. Two guards, two forwards. I mean, Got I'm going to go small guard, a small forward, point guard, shooting guard. Got it. Um, you just have to match up. If you decide to go small ball, who's going first? I'm going. Okay. Uh, that's my question. So, um, but the rules are that uh, you can't obviously name any of the players. I, I take a player that you would normally put in your starting lineup. You've got. We can't go one, 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 one. Okay, I'm giving you my five. Five. It's, this is apropos, given that tonight is game one of the NBA. So this, this has to be a five. June first, guys. Imagine that um, you know there's no substitutes. This is a five game or five player team that has to win a seven game series against my team. All right, point guard. I'm going old school, and I'm going revolutionary. Oscar Robertson, first big point guard. I mean, others may have changed the position in other ways, but I think he was ahead of his time. Okay. Shooting guard, because I want somebody that's a supporting role player, Michael Jordan. Vito. I'm going with Michael Jordan. Okay. Not the greatest player ever, but arguably the best. Vito. Arguably the best career ever. Uh, one of the most accomplished, and if you want somebody taking a clutch shot. Yeah. Small forward, Larry Bird. I want a big trash talker on my team. I want a guy who's going to hit every open three he's mm-hmm. in. And he's also 6'11". You're making this tough. I know. You'll like this one. My power forward is the greatest player to ever walk on the court, LeBron James. Who's he? Queen James? You're going to have tough ma- tough time matching up against him if you don't know who he is. And my I'm center, not. center's tough because... I, what, when, what did he uh, do? Are they in the finals? No, Lakers, no, but neither are the Celtics, who you predicted. Right. Actually, both teams you predicted. But they won. And you owe our friend a dinner because they, maybe, but they did win more games. Like you could have won one game, it could have been fourth round of Western Conference. That's fine. And so you're just stalling because you don't know how to beat my team. The center, my center. No, I'm a Laker homer, so I should have gone Kareem or Wilt. Um, close. I could have gone Kareem or Wilt or Shaquille. Really, I'm gonna go defense. And experience and championships. I'm going. Hakeem or Russell? Yeah, there you go. Or Russ. All defense. That is that is tough. You've got a uh, Lakers fan has two Celtics. Yeah. I wouldn't call LeBron a Laker. I mean, I would call him a traitor. But um, whatever you want. Or I just go to where they can build Lakers a team and hate. and you know pay people to play with them to win championships. Um, Solid. So you anyway, be my team. So I have to think about this a little bit because. Um, no, don't, I I don't want you to say, well, that's not a point guard because there's a particular player that has played all five, mm-hmm. um, and I I was gonna go with him with my number one, um, but I'm going with Steph Curry for my point guard. Okay, okay. best shooter of all times, changed the game. Yeah, totally, totally changed the game, revolutionized the game. Bit of a liability on defense matching up against my guards, but good, yeah, good. Choice. And you're generational players, right? So you're Oscar, who was amazing. I mean, I think Steph is more athletic than him, but oh, yeah, but quicker. Robinson's eight inches taller, too. Correct. So that's going to be a little bit of a challenge. I'm going to need some help defensively to help out on that. You took my number two, which is my number one, Michael Jordan. Um, so good lord, I gotta, I gotta find a, a good shooting guard. So, and you're, you have some defensive presence there too, which um, I'm all about offense. <laughs> the best defense is a is a great offense, in my opinion. So I'm. I know you don't like this, but I need some trash talking too. I'm going Reggie Miller. I've got two wow shooters, both 
defensive liabilities, but I'll make up for that. We'll, we'll... You're better. That's, that's <laughs> terrible backcourt defense-wise, but they can both shoot. They can yeah. both, they'll both okay, shoot. Okay, so yeah. where I'm going to make up with that, and this is a little biased, but I'm going Scotty for number three. I'm going to do him as my small forward. I do like Scotty Pippen. Amazing defender. Though he can score. He's been in the papers recently, knocking a little bit. Yeah, he, yeah, he's not a huge Jordan fan these days, which I think someone sure. He was great before you came to the team, and um, without him, he wouldn't have won six championships. But symbiotic relationship. Right. Um, so that's my number three. Number four, power forward. Gosh. Um, you know, I, I'm going to go atypical here. I'm going Magic Johnson, right? And I know you're going to say that's he's a point guard, but he's played all five positions. Yeah, actually, when he came back after taking, remember when he contracted HIV, took a little break, came back, bulked up, he was playing. Yeah, but smaller power forward. So he's six nine. What I like about him is um, he's big. Mm -hmm. He can match up. He can defend. And we're talking prime, not like late career man. No, like he could have played that position earlier on, but his court vision is. He played center in the NBA Finals when he had. He did when Kareem went down. So, and then uh, center. Gosh, I was originally going to go with Kareem, but I think I'm actually going to go with Shaq. Just get a big freaking powerhouse in the center there. Um, clog up the lane so that when Jordan does come in, he's going to have a, a little bit of a challenge. When LeBron comes in, he's going to have a little bit of a challenge. And offensively, he's going to score a lot of points too. Good answer is on the spot. You will get killed by my team. But... <laughs> well, because he had the best player in the world, Michael Jordan. Well, you could have gone a lot of other... You could have gone Kobe. You could have yeah. Hakeem. You could have gone... I mean, I don't know. There's... Yeah, honestly, if I had to like think about it a little bit more, I probably would have put Kobe in the number two position as opposed to Reggie, but... I like I like Reggie though. That's not one I would have thought of. To say he's more my trash. He's my Larry Bird. Yeah. Right. So like he he'll, he'll jaw with him. So yeah, he's a good six man too. We got if we went six deep. Yeah, that's you didn't. Gosh, I don't think I'm going to be able to like top those. So uh, we're gonna rule reverse now. So okay. I'm gonna ask you. So Ready. I'm going to do the three business first. So um, you know you, I know what you do. I know the type of law that you practice. Um, I guess. What would you say, and, and you could veto this if you want to, but wh- and you don't have to give any details, obviously, but what would you say was the one of the most challenging um, clients you've ever had to deal with or uh, situations, maybe maybe a litigation or something like that, with, without too many details? Yeah, no, I, 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 that's a pretty easy question, actually, for me, because it was early on in my legal career. I was an associate at my law firm in D.C., my, my um, first firm that I was at, uh, and a partner had this Florida company that basically refurbished aircraft parts and sold them to Department of um, It was a smaller family-owned company. It was like the largest privately-owned supplier of aircraft parts to the Navy and Air Force, um, but uh, couldn't really pay the higher rates. And the, the partner sort of trusted me as an older, new associate who had some government contract experience and had flown planes and therefore at least was familiar with the terminology uh, to handle the case. And it was just a really, really challenging client who could not get out of his own way. He just he would make promises to his customers uh, in the Department of Defense and um, breach his contract. Say he, uh, if you're going to do business with the with DOD, you got to cut square corners. Like there's no, there's no him and Han. There's no like taking a slightly refurbished part that doesn't meet a spec and say it meets a spec. It, 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 his company did a bit of that. So uh, it was really a lot of, um, it was a lot of hand-holding and it was 
challenging because I was up in D.C. And you're a young attorney at this point. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I'm a new attorney. I was, you know, in my my uh, younger 30s. So, um, you know, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit more mature than your average first or second year associate. Uh, but every time I went to the partner with a question, he was always patient and helpful. But he would say, "Listen, I'm not working on this. This is this is you. This is your client. I'm giving this." To and and true to his word, when that partner retired a couple of years later, that part that client was mine. Um, and there were some other issues too. The CEO of the company had some personal issues that just made it really challenging. And I, I just, as a young lawyer, had to grow up pretty quickly with that client. Yeah, I mean, I, I no matter what. Right. There's challenges here and there, but like, uh, you have like, these people are paying you to, you kind of have to put your best foot forward, look out for their best interest. But I have a lot of respect for, for what you do. Um, cause, um, you, you have to take that high road, but you also have to keep your client's best interest yeah, I mean, in, in, yeah. In, in mind and trying to protect them. Right. While representing them. So question number two, um, who would you say is your professional mentor? You had like one person that was like the person, guy or girl, that really influenced you to get you to where you are. Yeah, definitely. Uh, There's a gentleman named Jim McCullough who was a partner at uh, Freed Frank, which is the Freed Frank, Harris, Shriver, and Jacobson's first firm that I worked with in D.C. He um, just really, you know, he's a former Navy guy who was a partner at the firm and just you know, took me under his wing when I was a summer associate at the firm while still in law school. He said, oh, that, that guy, he's a former Air Force guy. We're kind of kindred spirits and just taught me a lot about government contracts. Uh, in fact, when he started to slow down later in his career um, and just, he, he never, he still hasn't quit. I mean, he still uh, still has clients. But he still practice. He, he does uh, much, not to the extent he used to, but sure. even when he started to slow down and I saw the writing mm -hmm. on the wall for that practice group in that firm, uh, I actually switched firms in D.C. because... Um, I just, I couldn't envision myself at that firm without working like almost full time with them. Um, and I, and, you know, I went to Arnold and Porter, which is a fantastic law firm and I met great people there too. Um, but I think the one person who probably influenced me the most in my legal career was Jim McCullough. That's awesome. I love hearing kind of the story behind the story. We all have those people. Mine is Greg Coppola. We heard that story, but, um, you know, it's, it's so important that we pay tribute to these individuals because they help to shape us, bring us to where we are, help create who we are. Um, and my third and final question, kind of similar to what you asked me, is if you were not an attorney, what would be kind of your, your dream job? However, can't be a pilot either. Ooh. It's funny. I don't know that even if that wasn't your rule that I would choose pilot. Like I, I kind of fell into being a pilot. You know, there were a lot of cutbacks while I was at the academy, and when I was offered a slot, I, I thought it'd be stupid to turn it down. But I wasn't one of those kids who grew up with like posters of F-16s on my wall. I, I, I loved flying. You probably grew up with posters of Tom Cruise on your wall. Well, who, who didn't? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm, it's 1980, man, like the 80s. Yeah, that guy does not age either. No, no, doesn't hasn't grown either since he was a pilot. <laughs> so. um, I would be a sports writer. Hmm. And now the you need some work on that. I mean, you obviously don't understand like the skill. I would probably with basketball cover soccer exclusively. I would travel the world. I would cover numerous leagues. I mean, as it is now, I religiously follow the, the Greek Super League, English Premier League, MLS. I follow Bundesliga, basically anywhere where the U.S. players play. And you know, I'm a huge international soccer fan. So I do. I've been to the World Cup, and that is the sport that they kick that little ball around. Yeah, that's right. We're not, we're not allowed to use our hands. We're too good for that. Um, so yeah, I would love to just. I mean, 
you know, even now, if I had any spare time, I would just start like a soccer blog and just write about. I mean, Love this. I started a podcast. Yeah, I mean, kind of lazy in my opinion. It's <laughs> right. You're not starting. <laughs> Note to self: start your soccer blog. <laughs> so, all right. Personal question. All right. All right. Um, gosh, I know how important Amanda is to you. Um, I mean, Amanda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, are you watching this? Because this guy, he's in trouble. <laughs> I mean, what's your favorite thing about her? Maybe just talk a little bit about her. It's almost like, I don't know if this is necessarily a question, but a little bit. Like, what's your favorite thing about her? And like, what what turns you on most? Like, yeah. Because she's a very, very creative, successful businesswoman. Yeah. Um, gosh, there's so many things as there is with anybody when you're talking about your partner, like it's hard to like distill to one thing, but I, I guess I, I, it's a, it's a very nuanced answer, but I love Amanda's ability to make a situation turn out exactly the way she wants or she thinks it should, but you don't know she's influenced the situation. Like she gets me to agree to do things that I don't even realize that wasn't my idea. Almost like she's an attorney. Yeah, almost. Um, She's just really good at that. And the kids will come to her with a question and she's just really good about just offering suggestions and making them understand what the better option would be. I mean, she lets them make their decision and make their mistake and roll with it if they do, but she's really good. She's not, it's not passive because she's very active and she's very, um, really smart, but understated. I don't know. I just, I just love that. She, she doesn't even say a word when she walks in a room and definitely my head turns and I see others too. And it's not, her looks, it's it's just her her presence. She's a very calming influence around people like, mm-hmm. all the time. And it's it's a great thing for our family. Yeah. So speaking of your family, four kids, um, got two boys, two girls. Mm-hmm. Um who's your favorite kid? No. I can't say question. But that's a terrible question. Everett. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> He's the youngest. No, I mean, but you are so busy with, with your children. I mean, we have three. You know that they say going from two to three, you're going to zone, but you have four and there's two of you. So like, uh, what do you like to do when you're not carting kids from volleyball to American Ninja Warrior to swimming, coaching, diving, uh, soccer? Like, what do you, what do you do with your free time? What's your favorite thing to do if you have time? With the kids? Or no, you. Just my, oh, oh gosh, that's tough because I, I think I'm about to embarrassingly admit I don't really have a hobby right yeah. now. I don't have time for one. I wish I did. I wish there was some to soccer blog. It's going to be now that you've shamed me into it. I, I, I'm also going to admit that I don't, I'm not one of those people that needs to be alone or loves to be alone. So really I, that's why I asked with my kids or with my family, if I just have spare, uh, you know, free time, I, I like to spend it with my family or with friends. I like to go out and do things. I love beaches I love bars or, or coffee shops or any kind of social interactive atmosphere. Um, I'm not the kind of person you will see, uh, go off on long hikes. When I do hikes, it's with two or three other people. You and I have hiked on the Appalachian yeah. trail or the Laurel Highlands. Um, you know, I have a buddy that I, I've done the Appalachian trail section hikes with, but never going to do those things on my own. I guess in my spare time, I like to spend it just with people I like. Yeah. You're definitely a, a people person, which is probably my favorite thing about you. You know, I joked at the beginning where I said like, he doesn't need an introduction. I, I truly mean that. And that kind of segues into my, like my last question here. And I've joked about this. After this one. <laughs> so um, when are you going to get into kind of the uh, political realm? Because I've always joked about this. I said, Bill's the mayor of Erie. He's not really yet. But um, like, do you ever see yourself? Because I totally see yourself in the, the 
the world of politics. And I think you'd be amazing. at it. Thank you. Um, and I take that honestly as a really big compliment because it's not an, I don't think it's an easy job. I've gotten an up close look at, um, at least local politics now that I've been the county solicitor for a year and a half. Um, and here's what I'll say. I get the question more often than you might think. I haven't decided anything about it, but it's not that I would never do it. I really just think that a lot of people that go into politics don't in their mind, they have the roles reversed. All these people are going to vote for me, so I'm their leader. It's not that. These people vote for you. You work for them. Mm-hmm. They're your boss. Uh, it, it's all about representing your constituents, whether that's in municipal government or if you're in Congress down in D.C. to represent your corner of the of the world, of the country. Um, and I think a lot of people go into it for the wrong reasons and have that wrong. And I would like to think, if I do decide to do that, I'll remember the right way to approach it. And that is that I'm there to be the voice or people in the governing body. That's the whole idea behind our democracy. And I, I, obviously I've thought about it. I mean, I, ha, I, you know, I have these, these, these feelings about it. I, do I have a timetable on it? No, like I mentioned Everett, he's nine. Yeah, I mean, in, rather, yeah, not in any hurry, but perhaps. Maybe phase two of your career? Well, I'd be phase three, I guess at this point, because I had the Air Force yeah, phase. Yeah. Um, maybe. Yeah, well, I'd vote for you. Well, thanks. I would need you to help fund the campaign. <laughs> We'll have lots of wine, maybe a cigar. We get a lot of work done. I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right. So now it's time for what we call the seven inning shoe strap. All right. Goodness. So for those of you that know me, um, for those of you that don't know me yet, one thing you're gonna get to know is that I love shoes. All right. So my guilty pleasure, one of my hobbies, my pastimes has uh, become collecting shoes, and particularly Air Jordans. Mm-hmm. So. Um, what you're going to find throughout all these episodes, and we've already done a couple of episodes, is that um, each episode I'm going to be wearing a different pair of shoes. There may be some redundancies here and there, but if I have anything to say about it, no. Got a new pair every time. Uh, but there's always a story behind it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I asked you, uh, wear one of your favorite pairs of shoes. I've seen these shoes on you many, many times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> please. <laughs> this, that sounded almost passive aggressive, like. Really, Spiros, you don't have any other shoes? No, but I know there's got to be a story. Yeah. So what kind of play? Assuming there's a story, because these are the ugliest things I've ever seen. So like, oh, wow. Wait until I tell you the story. You're going to feel horrible. But okay. So, Bill, you're going to go first. I'm going to reach. You grab it. Oh, okay. okay. All right. So uh, I'll admit, I did not put these on purposefully because you asked me to wear a pair of shoes. Um, but I do wear them a lot. And here's why. These are probably the, they're definitely the oldest shoes I own. They are, uh, I purchased them in 2000. About like when I was born. Sure. Let's go with that. Uh, They are K-Swiss Ashley Blue Walkers or like VN Athletics or something like that. But the reason I got them is because Amanda and I were moving to Greece. We were going to be there for eight months and I knew, I mean, it was just purely travel and vacation and someone uh, recommended like if you're going to get a pair of really good shoes that are not only comfortable for lots of walking but they're uh you know they're sturdy ruins step to the parthenon whatever you're doing or the acropolis so i bought them and i i've yet over 18 years found a more comfortable pair so did they have the grass stains on them when you purchased nope, them no nope, those are that's that, new that's, that's new that, yeah that's kind of come over there yeah I, I unlike you i don't buy shoes and put them in display cases i I actually am lucky to find the left or the right. Yeah, Zeus hasn't gotten a hold of these yet, huh? Zeus doesn't like shoes. Actually, when my feet are in them, no one goes near these. He only actually eats things that he 
he could actually eventually put the things that can pass through. Pass through. I'm trying to be politically correct yeah, here, yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, he's never eaten a shoe, but he has eaten maybe like, like I don't know. Zeus is our humongous dog, great dog, great dog, but has an appetite for things he's not. Things you and I would say not, are not edible, but he he ate an entire well, he ate like three tubes of toothpaste. He ate uh, an entire bag. Squirting it out. You went right through the side of the tube. Um, he ate an entire bag of peaches from the supermarket, which the pits, yeah, but the pits are like poisonous. But he threw up just the pits. He kept everything. Oh. Uh, he's eaten gloves, socks galore. I mean, not yeah, just he socks, socks, but, right. but long, uh, like soccer socks, long socks. Yeah. I've seen those twisted up in the yard. You know, yeah, it, um, he's a miracle. <laughs> a miracle he's still alive. Exactly. All right, I want to hear this. So these actually just arrived in the mail today. Um, <laughs> no way. They really? did. They did. And and so this shoe, this is the Air Jordan 5 uh, Lowe's, and these are actually called, a great story actually, the Dornbecker um, Air Jordan 5. So the story behind this, they're, they're a freestyle version. Um, this this Dornbecker, it's, it's a uh, children's hospital. Um, and they have young children, patients that design shoes. And what they do is all the profits from these shoes go back to the Dornbecker Freestyle Foundation and to that children's hospital they've raised since 2004. They have raised over uh, $30 million for that particular institution. And these are the Michael uh, Michael Wilson version. So on the back, there's an, his initials, MDW. Uh, Michael's an 11-year-old kid uh, diagnosed with Crabs disease. Um, and he designed these shoes, the colorway, everything. I mean, there's so many cool features here. Uh, there's a macaroni noodle here. Um, uh, the, the laces. The other reason I wore these today is today's June 1st, first j day of Pride Month. Pride Month. And I see the, the little, uh, what are these? Yeah. I don't know what that thing's called. Know, but at the end of the lace, but I lit or no, not that. I, I just thought it would be appropriate. I like, you it. know, the, the rainbow color just representing. And I mean, there's so many cool features here. He's got an eyeball over here. He's got the swoosh here. The soles are different. One has a shark. One has a um, hourglass. I'm not sure which one, but um, so this was Michael's design, and um, like I said, it has his initials on the back. Yeah. Uh, this is a really cool feature. They have like these Velcro patches, and there's like uh, four different ones that he designed. There's a shark one. There's an hourglass one. Um, there's a couple other features. This is called the Air Michael. Not Jordan, but for for him. So like Velcro, awesome. yeah. So yeah, you can put that on there. But so um, that's what this is, and kind of the story behind it. Um, again, I love shoes, and uh, my story I'm sticking to. Well, I apologize to Michael D. Wilson wherever he is because that's a great story, and they're not the ugliest shoes I've ever seen. They're close. No, they're awesome. Like they, they, I like all the yeah, yeah. They got a little flair, right? Good stuff. So we got two more things left. All right, all right. We got the Sabo's challenge, which. Can't wait. Um, you don't know what that is yet. Don't. But I'm, I'm going to surprise you. Oh, and does it involve sitting on the floor? No, it's actually, um, you're pretty competitive. I'm pretty competitive. Oh, no. Um, Jim Tui, where are you? No, gosh. <laughs> it doesn't involve a football in your front. No football. But and, and eventually what we're going to do here is I'm going to get a spinning wheel, and there's going to be probably five or six different challenges on there. Oh, but tonight, I'm not even giving you the choice of spinning the wheel. We're going to go outside, and we're going to, we are. We're going to shut Oh, sorry, LeBron. <laughs> and shot well, I'll give you two warm-ups. Okay. And so we're going to go outside and we're going to do a little competition. We're going to do, um, I'll leave it up to you whether you want to do a free throw 
Yeah. Girls competition yeah. or three-point competition. Out your hand, granny free throws, because I can't. Any way you want to shoot it, you can shoot foul shots. I'll probably shoot threes because that's where the men live. And you know, once a two men who are afraid to go in the paint. Yeah, when it, when a two when a dunk score three points, I'll start doing it. That's what I always used to say. Sure, that's that's when you'll be able to do it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I choose not to dunk. I, yeah. I, well, I always chose that throughout my. Yeah, that's that's smart. So, but anyways, we're gonna do the uh, sawbones challenge. You ready, buddy? Good as ready so as I'll ever be. Sawbones challenge. Okay, so we're gonna do a competition. First one to make five shots. This is. Uh, essentially a three-pointer, right? Sure. Um, but Bill's obviously going to lose, so, and I'm going to allow him to go first as my guest. It is your so, home court. So here we go. My, oh gosh. Good luck, Bill. All right. I can't decide whether I'm. We're going to alternate too. Am I set shooting this or jump shooting? Like I don't know what to do. You probably want to just throw like a football because you're not going to be able to get it there. Oh, money. We'll let the football occur. You know, we don't need to worry about oh, that. Oh, goodness. One. You're shooting for him is terrible. What in? Ooh. So is Larry's. So is my mom's. Two. Two for three, baby. But she was third in the nation. Oh, I know. And then her coach tried to fix it and messed her up. Three. Ooh. Wow, you've been out. Boys, is he out here every night practicing? Oh, yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> Tino's winking over oh, there. Oh, that's off. First of all, it's like Four. a rubber kindergarten. Oh, man. Game! Set match! That's it, folks. Sabo's challenge. Nice shooting. Hey. All those fun. hours paid off. Hey, diligence, grit, determination, right. all those things. Thank you, Dad, for making me go play basketball every morning at 5 a.m. during the summer. Just this past week? Your, yeah. dad, your dad's out here. We're drilling you. Let's go watch some basketball. NBA. Now I'm going to make one. Finals, game one. Here we Swish. go. Let's go, Miami. So, in closing, Bill, any final questions you want to ask? Um, of me, of like what I like to look at too is like I have some questions for you. Is like, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in ten years? You and Amanda as a family, you personally. Um, let's do five years and then ten years. Uh, both at five and ten in debt, probably. But because <laughs> um, our kids are busy, keep us running. But no, I really, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if if my trajectory doesn't change at all from where it is right now, and I'm. Uh, 10 years from now, a partner at McDonald Dillig and hopefully still providing great service to my clients um, such that they're happy and I'm still working with partners and associates that I like and I'm challenged by and enjoy, then that's that's fine. If I decide to make a career shift and do something different, we'll see. But um, really, I mean, I think you and I have the same mindset in this regard and that once you have children, so much of what you do is you and your partner making sure those children have every resource and every opportunity. Yeah, and so that, kind of location too, right? Like, it's hard to uproot a family. Yeah. And change careers or change locations because, I mean, they're in school, they're this or that, but... Yeah. It's one of, the, one of the main reasons we moved back to Erie because although I love D.C., I miss it every day for one reason or another, food. Uh, we recognize Erie is a great place to raise it. We wanted our, our children to have the same type of... Um, upbringing that I had and Amanda had something similar where she grew up in Ohio and um, five whether it's five years or ten years it's just making sure that my family is is happy um, on solid footing and everybody's doing what they loved I have no doubt you will be uh, successful no matter what you choose to do in five or ten years your family will be as well great family great kids 
great profession, great career. Well, I can I, say I trust you wholeheartedly with um, any project I've ever brought to you. And well, I'm I'm happy to be a part of the projects because I say the same thing about you. I mean, I, we all, my kids call your wife Thea Karen. I mean, consider her an aunt. Call you and, and in Greek, that's like aunt. Yeah, yeah. They call you Doctor Mojo. Totally different, but yeah. still, we'll save that for a different episode. Right, the story. Um, that, but, but. Uh, yeah, same thing. And you've done some amazing things with your practice and with all of your ancillary businesses, and you're just going to continue, I know you, to push it and grow, and I'm happy to be a small part of it. A big part of it. Then thank you for all that you've done. Well, thank you. Thanks, my friend. Yeah, good to be here. So that concludes uh, Hey Sawbones, my story, my passion. Thank you for joining in. Uh, can't wait for you to uh, see next week's episode. Uh, we're going to give you a sneak peek here in a little bit, but uh, thanks again for joining in. And as always, um, just have fun, be authentic, be genuine, and we'll see you next week. Take care. So excited about today's guest. Um, this guy is an unbelievable local legend in the Meadville slash Crawford County slash Northwest Pennsylvania area, uh, Justin Johnson. I think this is going to be probably one of the top hitters in terms of the Hey Sawbones podcast. Um, people have known him uh, from his high school athletics um, he has been an amazing uh, ambassador for high school athletics on the coaching side as well. So really uh, excited to bring him on today. And uh, you're not going to want to miss this. Remember, we've got the Sawbones Challenge at the end. So please stay tuned through the entire thing. Um, just a lot of good memories going back and forth, bringing up some, some funny old stories from the past. So stay tuned. We'll be right with you. Tell me all about it, Doc.